All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Course Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. Musician John Batiste joins Team Supreme to rehash his journey from small town Louisiana to musical director of The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Originally released March 14th, 2019. Just follow along. You'll get it. Suprema, Suprema Roll Call. Suprema, Suprema Roll Call. Suprema, Suprema Roll Call. Suprema, Suprema Roll Call. QLS all day. Yeah. Fall, winter, spring, and summer. Yeah. Two band leaders at late night. Yeah. Both started out as drummers. Suprema, Suprema Roll Call. God, who's Suprema, Suprema Roll Call. You're both real talented. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the best band leader is yeah. Doc Severance. Yeah. Suprema, Suprema Roll Call. I'll fill in my second Suprema, line uh, after the show. No, you're not. Suprema yes, I will. I'm pay bill. Yeah. And Tom's a whack. Yeah. But have no fear. Yeah. I'm down. Roll Call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. Suprema. Su- su- Suprema roll call. My name is Boss Bill. Yeah. Bright as a halogen. Yeah. Here with Bill and Sugar Steve. Yeah. And some Hollywood Africans. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. It's Laia. Yeah. And it's going down. Yeah. Thompson Baptiste. Yeah. All right now. Hey. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema. Roll call. It's John Baptiste. Yeah. And I'm in the house. Yeah. We about to get down. Yeah. That's what we about. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call.
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Quest Love Supreme. The late night edition. The late night. Ad- oh, God. Wait, he's starting already. He, he's starting already. Yes, I am. Mother is Jamaica. Hey. <laughs> hey. Shout out to Fante. I have not heard that in a minute. Existed. And that shit is amazing. I knew I was going to have to play it eventually. Oh, so good. Thank you. Um, so rare, love that. But Deez, if you stay around like long that. enough, we make you a theme song too. I love that. I was going to say, um, I I mean, I was going to introduce our guest, but. No, let's introduce me. Unpaid bill. <laughs> All right. Well, let, let's just let's just keep it tradition, so we don't, you know, scare off our our viewers. Um, our guest today actually needs no introduction, ladies and gentlemen. And there's not late night wars happening in this building. Yet. Late night love. You say yet? No. Our our guest today is uh, I will say he's band leader supreme. Uh, he is uh, multi instrumentalist. Uh, you are a Juilliard graduate. Um, and I'll say that. Most of America currently now knows you as the band leader for the number one show <laughs> in late night. Oh. Shots fired! Oh. No facts. No. Okay. Oh, now we're doing no, no, no fake news over here. No fake news. No, no fake, news. fake news. No facts, yo. No, no snark, nothing. Uh, of course, it's uh, late. Wait, technically, what is the show called? It's t- late night with Stephen Colbert. Yeah, late show. The late show was there's like late night, I late know, show, yeah, that's a lot of later tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the later late show week. with Stephen Colbert. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Quest Love Supreme, the one and only John Batiste. Yes. Hey. Yes, Lord. Oh, man. So, Bill, uh, what's been going on, man? <laughs> so, Bill. <laughs> I'm happy to see John Batiste. I have not seen John Batiste since. Uh, 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 the, the salon. salon, the food salon of your house. That was like a Wait year. Wait a minute, have you ever had him on Sesame Street? Oh, fuck. I just asked him that. <laughs> we just talked about he that. He got very upset because I grilled him about Wait why hasn't he been on Sesame Street? Okay. He's like tailor-made for... I know this. I have talked See, to him about this, and I'm working on it. Everybody simmer down. Okay. I haven't been here in a long time. Back the fuck up. <laughs> Everybody's requesting shit. I've been here for 10 minutes. Just check it. Wait, can I, can I ask you something, John? This this is the one. This is the the question I always wanted to know. Are you silently because I know you have history way before I I knew of you. Yeah, like Lenny Kravitz put me on to you yes. long ago, and I you you you've actually inspired some ideas I've had about how to put show presentations on and everything. So I've I've known about you way before Colbert. Yeah, I mean, you got hired by Colbert because of the reputation that you were building. Yes, are you? Do you get slightly annoyed <laughs> when people come up to you and just like, "Hey, Stephen Colbert's guy," like without knowing the history, like you just came out of nowhere to? Yeah, does that happen to you a lot? It does. You know, like I, I'll be going somewhere and I'll run into somebody and they'll be like, "Hey, you're the guy from Colbert. What, what's your name?" And right. then after a while, they were like, oh, yeah, that's John Baptiste, but it's still from, from the late show. Right. And I mean, you could be from Colbert, technically. Yeah. You're from there. But it's almost like, you know, I, I'm Jimmy Fallon's drummer. Yes. And you're Colbert's piano say, player. Yeah, Amir, yeah, don't yeah, you I, have the same issue, too, sometimes? Yeah. yeah. Well, because that's I why just he's asking that. him. That's what I just said. 
I'm just clarifying. In this ping pong match we're about to it's, watch. It's, 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 it's cool to, um, and as, as you do, when you have other things that you do, that kind of paints a full picture. I actually, all right, now that we're saying this, I believe that's probably the real reason I stick to 19 jobs. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's almost like, Hey, what am I? Am I chef? Uh, am I cook guy today? Am I, you know, music teacher today? Am I like it? I always wanted to know: is that slightly irksome when people don't do the research and know? Yeah, your history. Yeah, it it it's it's something that I think over time people and people still have been digging back into the catalog or seeing things that we've done. But I think over time, the more you do and the more you just keep doing your thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and not letting any one thing define you, the more that you can continue to kind of bring people into what you do, it's your art or your creativity, you know. But what about the flip side? Where is well, I was going to say on the other side, of- give you the megaphones that neither of you had ever had prior. To right. That. I'm going to go out and, when I saw the last episode of Colbert Report, when you guys did the, the line. Oh, outside yeah. It, that was the first time I ever saw you. And I was like, oh, shit. And then I just did the research and I was like, OK. Yeah. So it was, it's a way to bring new people in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's amazing. Art- I mean. Okay, good. Just be, being on a show that's kind of like this uh, it's fraternity, and, and it's hard to have any sort of malice or, or disrespect to it, even if people just know you for that right now. But I feel like I, I've always just been somebody who likes to create and explore different things and evolve and grow. And I'm always pushing myself to try to find something else that's going to challenge me. So the consistency of the show is one thing, but I have to balance it out, even just for me, not even for the sake of people knowing that there's more that I have to offer, but just for my own well-being as an artist, I got to keep pushing and creating. So um, it gives me a chance to share it with a lot more people. (laughs) How easy is it to do? Because I know that uh, there's many sides to John Patisse as far as like your, your, like you'll do traditional jazz records, you'll do stuff with Stay Human, you'll do different projects. Um, What I primarily knew you for were these sort of uh, kind of musical speakeasy, so to speak, where uh, I'll say, you know, years before he was on the show, he would, um, word would get around that there's going to be a a secret John Patisse show at some nondescript random warehouse in Harlem or in Brooklyn or in the Bronx somewhere. And it's almost like, it's the musical version of well, only New Yorkers will get this reference of like "Sleep No More." Mm. Sleep No More is kind of like a play where the fourth wall is is sort of exposed, and you're part of the play. You as the spectator, so you go to this like big, wide open space, and then John and State Human basically perform. There's there's no traditional stage, so there's almost like four setups. They, you know, they'll they'll pick one side of the corner where their music's set up, and then they'll march to the other side of the room where there's other music uh, instruments set up. Like everyone gets a chance to be the front row seat, and it's and it's immersive. And they have like stuff hanging around. You could, you could play instruments and all that other stuff and and join in. It's like a, I've never seen a, a show in which the 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 artist uh, the, the audience is actually immersed in with the show are you able to still do those secret smurf shows at all or is it like uh? it's 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 hard i mean i'm sure as you know the the to keep the energy level up 
-hmm. after um, doing the show, I had to take the first six months when I started doing Colbert just to figure out how to do it. And um, and figuring out how to balance everything else that I had been doing with now this um, my, my job on the show. Right. But then after I figured that out, I started to focus more on recording things and, and being in the studio because I was mostly playing live during right. that time mm-hmm. and exploring how to really present a real immersive experience that brought people together. So. Right. And it worked. I saw it live in Philly when you did it. Oh yeah, in the lobby of the Kimmel Center. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. I hosted that show. Woo! It was an amazing yeah. show. That was fun for I, free. I was like, what? <laughs> you giving them all of this? And then you literally jumped in the crowd, yeah. went around. Yeah, I was time. wondering like, how do y'all get paid? Because <laughs> everyone I mean, was on the guest list. Well, the I Kimmel Center paid. You know. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, sometimes like when we go on the road, we do them after the show. So it would be, we'd we'd take the guarantee from the show. And use that to... So you would do a regular show. Right. And then that's like your Prince after party thing? Yeah. <laughs> wow. I never knew that. I thought that was your bread and butter. Well, at, at one point, it was when we were in New York. Right. But then we started to get known for that. And then we got an agent, and then we went on the road. And then we went on the road. We didn't want to stop doing that. Because every venue doesn't accommodate right. that, that kind of performance. So it was kind of like, okay, well... We can just do two shows. Right, right. I see. It, it's cool. It's cool to see how people react to the music when you put when you put it in a different context. Because, um, like, if we play jazz, for instance, and it's in a jazz club, it's much different than if like somebody's sitting next to you on the piano or somebody's sitting behind the drums, and they can really see the interaction with the rhythm section and stuff like that. Does that does the plan sometimes backfire because you do present this whole speakeasy thing. Like, it, it's like, you know, like sometimes it's almost like you're you're walking into a set of an old, like, 50s burlesque right. show. Or, or whoever, like, designs the stuff. And, you know, sometimes I'll see, like, people trying to sit on your piano bench with yeah. you oh. as you're drinking. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so it's- how... You know, some drunk guy suddenly wants to sit in on yeah. drums or, yeah. you know, like... How do you guys control that situation? It, it's 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 a casualty of the situation. Like you got to go into it expecting some people to get super free. That's what we like. Oh, this cat's about to get super free. <laughs> and then when that happens, you almost plan the the show like the set morphs from um, whatever it was gonna be to accommodate whatever happens. So if that guy comes and grabs the drumsticks or something, then okay, well. Let's go into the drum circle that we had planned for the next three songs down and put that right now. <laughs> Here's a question because I haven't se- I haven't seen one of these, but they sound amazing, and I'm wondering: Have you ever done these at schools? Oh yeah, yeah, not in New York actually, but we've done them in schools. We went to um, um, in Amsterdam. We actually we did a we did a show at the Concertgebouw, which is like a concert hall there, and that was just like a, a traditional show. And then we went into schools and did um basically kind of like this kind of curated thing but in their auditorium but um that was one thing we did and we also went into one of the um the, the equivalent of like the hood <laughs> and i got i got to them to put a piano in the middle of the street which i always loved that visual just having like instruments on the block which i i mean i know you you mm-hmm. played and and that's kind of how we started this whole kind of concept of um 
immersion, which is when we started playing on the streets and we play in the subways in New York, um, and we would see how people react when you see the, see the uh, the band come into a cart and just set up for like thirty minutes and play. It's like wow, these. Y'all not asking for money? Right. Y'all not buskers? <laughs> right, right. Because at the end, you get to the next car, so they don't ask. Like, right. That's how you get to the I'm going to be honest. It's always, it's always with the wary look when somebody sets up on the trains. It's like, wait. Like, <laughs> like, it's, which like, one? it's like, you better be good. I know, I'm, exactly. Like, the first five minutes are the hardest. Yeah. Have you do the, Have you done uh, New York trains yet? Oh, yeah. 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 Really? Oh. Don't you love the vibe when you walk in? Everybody's like, I always wanted Fuck. to do that. Yes. <laughs> like Everyone's just like, oh, yeah. get up and get out. We should do that one day. Oh, just, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Hop a train and just, uh, I guess nothing shocking in New York City. No, nowadays. that's still shocking. That would be that. shocking. Yeah, no, that would be great. Wait, wait, no. Who was it that was at? Uh, <laughs> like, who are those two guys? Somebody was at, uh, at Penn Station or something like that. Well, he did do set that up, recently. And like nobody, knew, like nobody noticed it that yeah. they were there. It was Eric. Well, Erica wait, did it once. Josh Bell. Erica did it. The violinist. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw it. Just like shredding the violin and like Bleecker Street, and people are like, actually, come to think of it. (laughs) So, I tried to once get Jay Z to come to one of your events. Has he seen it yet? Not that, not the uh, he saw a traditional one, right? Ah, damn. Because the thing was, uh, I got him to halfway agree to it. I, I had seen the first time I saw you was, I guess, during the time in which, uh, Jay was doing something at Carnegie Hall. And oh, I was still wow. band leading. That's right. So I said, okay, this is what I want to do. I said, what I want to do, well, this is a- actually after Reasonable Doubt. Okay. Slightly, this is like when American Gangster was out. Exactly, yeah. And I told him, I said, this is what we're going to do. You're going to do something on stage, right? And then we're going to march <laughs> to the, um, the, the, the foyer, the, uh, oh, the, yeah. the reception hall. And then when you're done, you and Just Blaze are going to do the encore. And the nosebleeds. And he looked at me like, I'm not doing that shit. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. He, I, I convinced him at least to do, he did his encore in the nosebleed. And unfortunately, what I didn't realize with <laughs> with uh, Carnegie Hall was that the, the way that the balconies are built, if you're like under, mm-hmm. if you're sitting on the, fr- the, 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 the floor row, you can't see what's yeah, happening right. up there. So and of course they're like, no, you got you guys can't stand and you know like yeah. who stands at Carnegie Hall. So it was, <laughs> it was rather frustrating for the people on the who weren't in the the, the news. Booth. Right, right. But, um, yeah, well, I bet they have a close up view for once. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I was like, no, just give it, give them to them up there. It's good. So that we're amazing. <laughs> All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. So you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. 
So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to know your story. Like, where were you born and how was music brought to your life? Oh, wow. So I was born in, in um, actually Metairie, Louisiana, and I was raised in Kenner, Louisiana, between Kenner and New Orleans. I was like, there are other places besides New Orleans? <laughs> no. <laughs> These are like literally 10 minutes outside of New Orleans. They're like suburbs of New Orleans. But basically, e- even though the airport is in Kenner, it's called New Orleans International. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I see. It's like the New Orleans area. And my dad, he's um, a great bassist. My mother's not a musician, but she has a really good ear. Mm-hmm. And um, my dad had six brothers, and they all played in a band together. And from the six brothers, there are like 30 cousins. And at the time when I was growing up, I was the youngest um, of the cousins. Of all that brood? Yeah, of all of them. When okay. I was growing up, I was the youngest, and there were two that were closer to my age, and we started the junior band together. And the three of us were drummers when we started the band, but you can't have three drummers in the band. And I'm the youngest, so obviously I'm going to be the one that switches instrument. And the second youngest, he had to switch an instrument because everybody wanted to play the drums. Right. So I switched to um, piano then. It's around the time I was like um, 10 or 11. Um, how, how easy was that adjustment? It was, I, I was already kind of like, um, we would pick out songs from video games <laughs> and play them. <laughs> what? All of us would kind what of would y'all dabble. What y'all do? Oh. Yep. Mar- oh. Uh, Mario, when Sega came out, Sonic. Oh, Sonic oh. soundtrack is amazing. Mm-hmm. Maybe My- or maybe not uh, created by Michael Jackson, by the way. I know. Yeah. I- yeah. <laughs> maybe or maybe not. We don't know. Soundtrack is incredible. Um, and um, Street Fighter soundtracks from Street Fighter 2 all the way to Street Fighter Alpha, Final <laughs> Fantasy 7. What? Uh, <laughs> Like we we would play we would legit transcribe the soundtrack and play it on piano. So I kind of had a, a a little bit of piano chops, and then I was also kind of uh, you know taking classical piano lessons, but not really taking them seriously. So I, I had a little bit of a foundation, but when I switched to a piano, I didn't really get serious about it until I was like. 13. Did y'all play for other kids? Because it seems like that would have been dope for other kids to like enter the world of jazz and instrumentation and stuff. It was cool when we did a gig every year um, at the Children's Museum. 
That was our first regular gig. Uh, the band was called the Baptiste Kids, and we printed these shirts. Uh, <laughs> it said purple and, and white shirts, Baptiste Kids, and it had us on the shirt, um, cartoon versions. I remember, and we would play, our only gig for a while was the Children's Museum in New Orleans every year. And uh, we played for kids at the, the museum. video game songs. <laughs> played the video game songs, and we played Mardi Gras songs. Saints go marching in, you know. How, uh, I won't even say how important, but how, and I know that you're from Louisiana, so you got to trade like, how burdensome is the idea of the tradition of New Orleans music? Like, I almost feel like if you come out the womb, it's like you have to know every solo from Satchamo. <laughs> you have to know. It's true. And is it? Winton. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that you're, I mean, I, I've, I've grew up in, I mean, I've, I've seen jazz Nazis all my life and. <laughs> You That's know. a technical term, jazz Nazis, for all those listening. That's a real thing. Oh, my goodness. No, I mean, it's but it's real. It's real. <laughs> I looked at Steve like, Steve's but I just realized that might have been offensive. Steve is but, looking at me right now, even as I asked the question. I will play you jazz. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine, try jazz. <laughs> but I mean, anyway. there's, I mean, the reputation of New Orleans. Um, I, I had to deal with Ellis Marcellus when oh, I was a kid. Oh, man. He told me give wow. up, like you know. He, <laughs> that was nice. He just straight up told me give up, like. And I, I think that's what really pushed me to not following because I went to school with Christian McBride, yeah, yeah, Joey D. Francesco, yeah. all these guys. So I was striving to be a young lion. Yeah, yeah. And I did this master class with Ellis, and he just like. It was past embarrassment and humiliation. Like, and then, you know, I was good. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it was just like, you know, he didn't like the tone of it. He liked the shirt I was wearing. Ooh. Like, you're not a real jazz cat. Yeah. And, like, I just, I gave up. I didn't give up. I just, like, well, you're right. Yeah. Let me go, let me go to what I really love, which, which is hip-hop. Did he ever circle back? I just, I just need to know. Did he ever circle back? <laughs> no, Branford and I laugh at her all the time. He's okay. like, oh, don't, right. don't mind, right. Dad. Right, right. <laughs> So, but I'm asking you, uh, was your, being the youngest of it, were your, was your family the same way? Where it was just like, you don't get any respect from us until you learn, like, everything from Maple Leaf Rack to uh, to all these old scrolls of yeah. Rack time. <laughs> it, it was, it was like, um, it was, a, it was an interesting mix of different, um, flavors of that so like my family was coming from the 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 meters and it's like the funk tradition so um my uncle was was one of the um first keyboardists in the meters uh and then uh my cousin russell he he took over in the meters after zigaboo who was the original drummer yeah so Zig, that that was like my immediate family, and mm -hmm. that's kind of like what. That's what I got from from being around them was kind of that tradition, and just almost vicariously because it was never like, John, play this. This is how this beat goes. Uh, these are how these chords. I would just be on stage as a kid, and I would be watching and kind of absorbing that, and that was 
that was fun because that kind of influenced a lot of how um, I, I look at um, performing for people and stage presence and also just the communal aspect of music because they would be playing and sometimes, you know, you'd have um, musicians just coming up on stage unannounced and, and you know, it would turn into this massive tribal groove. And and that was one side of it. And then as I got older and started getting into jazz around 13 and 14, there was a camp that we all went to called the uh, Louis Satchmo Armstrong <laughs> Summer Jazz Camp. Right. And that's when I started getting exposed to what you're talking about. And I was lucky because there were a, a few of the, um, I call, call them like the village elders, <laughs> that were just like mm-hmm. so open-minded. But they also came from the generation where it was like, you know, people were hard on them, but they were so open-minded with us. Like Alvin Baptiste, he would just, he would teach us how to play stuff that was way beyond our level, but he would do it in these little baby increments. Like we'd be playing giant steps and he would teach us like two notes at a time. And then after we got the melody, he would just show us the harmony. And then it would take like a month, but then after a month we'd be like 12, 13 playing giant steps. But we wouldn't know that we were playing giant steps. Right. It, and and that if I didn't have him and and a few others who were kind of more just like, okay, I'm not gonna come at it from a critical place. I'm gonna come at it from a place of, okay, everybody has a voice. Learn this. And then once we got older, I played in his band, The Jastronauts. And that was a band where it was like, if it's not different and weird, then it's not right. He would always say, "It's you can be correct, but that don't make it right." And and, and I actually believe it. He he would say because I like unorthodox. Oh yeah, yeah. it's the best. Yeah. I mean, he had a sitar player on one of the gigs when we were playing at a jazz club, and I was fifteen at the time. I was like, "Wow, you can do that!" <laughs> okay, it just opened. So because of people like him, I kind of lucked out. I didn't get caught in the dogma. That can kind of grapple you. Who who were your uh, your age peers at the time that are notable now? Like who oh. were you, who was in your circle? So at the camp, uh, we were both. We started a band together, uh, and that became the band that's still his band now. Same members, eighty percent of the band. Uh, Trombone Shorty. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Troy and I were like he's he's a little older, but we were basically came at the same time. Uh, Christian Scott, he was also. At the camp, and also we went to high school together. Um, they're just—it's it's a real interesting thing because we had the same teachers, but we all came out in different routes. Yeah, <laughs> it's a whole nother—you know—each right. person doing their own thing. Um, how important is, as far as uh, uh, New Orleans as a city? Well, not how important is it, but how. Uh, Explain to us, or our viewers, or our listeners, sorry. You're not on TV right now. I know, I know. <laughs> so used to it. Explain, <laughs> explain to our listeners um, the frequency of, of, well, it's odd now uh, to, to, to have music in nightclubs. And when you're in New Orleans, every block still has bands in it. Oh, yeah. We were moving to New Orleans. We copped two houses in August. July 2005. Oh, snap. July 2005. And then Katrina happened. And then 
that was out the window. Man. Like we were going to go down and record Game Theory. Wow. In New oh. Orleans. Because the thing is, New Orleans has, they still, they're the last city left with like three very distinctive jazz, traditional jazz, right. uh, you know, the, the, the Zydeco. You have to explain Zydeco music yes. to me and, and Cliff how, how yeah. that separates. And then bounce music. Oh, my yes. goodness. You know, so oh. they we were like, okay, this is, this is a city with three very distinctive styles to it. And we're going to move down there and figure our way into this mess. Mm -hmm. And then, boom, like, man, it got ruined. But man. do do you guys even mix with each other? Like, first of all, were you even allowed to listen to pop music as a kid? Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, it wasn't I, frowned upon. No, no, I, 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 I was always listening to Cash Money. Hey, that's right, New, New Orleans. I mean, there was a point um, where, when you're walking down the street, mm -hmm. out of every car, you were hearing either Cash Money or No Limit, like yeah. bumping. That's the fourth. That's the fourth element of New Orleans that people forget about musically, right? Well, no, bounce music. Yeah, that's what do I mean. Do you count? Do you count? Is that really? Is that bounce in the? In... It's in the same strain. The, the 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 Drake in my feelings beat yeah. is okay. New Orleans. Well, yeah, bounce. that's Big Rita and okay, I yeah. got you. Yeah. I, I... So, so first of all, is, is Cash Money and No Limit? Is that sort of like the? Are you the one side or the other? Is that like the Beatles and Rolling Stones at the of... time? At the time, not anymore. But okay. at the time, it was like. Oh yeah, you gotta you, choose which side. You gotta you choose which side, you know. And Cash Money was a little younger, right? So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I always because I'm looking at it from a musical perspective. <laughs> I always wanted them to make something together. Yeah. I thought it would be crazy if they oh, came together. They never did. They never did. Yeah. I thought it would. It just would be so powerful because it was just such an embodiment of music in the city up until that point. Mm -hmm. There's so much in the sound. That that came from all of the different elements, e even like the um, the the zydeco and the second line tradition. You could hear it in the rhythm of what they were doing. So, can you break down for us the difference between the the various music styles in in New Orleans as far oh, as in the lines? Yeah, yeah. So so there's there's what we call the second line, which comes basically from marching traditions. So you have like. The marching band tradition, which was a big thing in early American culture. And then in New Orleans, that tradition was changed because you had the influence of the African rhythmic culture. And Congo Square, which during slavery, which uh, on the Sunday, all of the, the, the different rhythms and traditions that they did in Africa, they would carry on in New Orleans. And that was the only place in America where that was continued. So then that rhythmic culture seeped its way into the marching tradition. And that became second line. So the um, the bass rhythm of second line is the, um, it's like a bambula rhythm. Okay. And that rhythm, you can hear it in um, Zydeco music. You can hear it in, uh, you can hear it in Cash Money's music. Even like if you think of, of, of uh, mm, 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 mm. Okay. Use a font. Right, right, right. <laughs> oh, so that thing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it that rhythm I feel like is the thing that ties all of the styles together. Wait, uh, now I'm thinking about it. What we what rockers would traditionally call the Bo Diddley rhythm, 
So that's basically that's that's where the 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 basis of that rhythm comes from. Bo Diddley is that Louis? Is he be Louisiana? No, but Bo Diddley. That the uh the uh that's the same. And and to me, when you start hearing that, that's how you can tell. Oh, that's kind of like a New Orleans influenced music. But the things that change it are the instrumentation and the different different ways that people sing, or like the instrumentation of Zydeco with the accordion versus like second line is with tuba and marching instrumentation. And then you have bounce music, which is made. Actually, you could do it on MPC. So it's it's a range of different sounds that you can get, but the same DNA. But what's the first line? The first line is the church. Okay. So second line is basically in, in the funeral, some people call it jazz funeral. The first line is the family that goes into the church, and that's a slow, mournful song. And then the second line is when you're coming out you leave. and you leave, and it's a celebration. Oh, thank you, John. Like the whole world did, didn't know. Yeah, yeah no, like, straight up. I, I never knew I why it was second line. I didn't know. I didn't know that. We just faked it. I, I <laughs> saw, like, I'm telling you, Ain't gonna I, think it no more. I've seen a few. Uh, Second line marches for funerals. Yeah. And those are some extravagant productions. Oh like, I've God. seen them I want that damn near yeah. hit, like hip hip parade, throw oh, the yeah. casket in the air, or whatever. What? Yeah. Yeah. Is that what I? Like, they'll take the casket and start. Oh, my I know goodness. our listeners can't <laughs> see what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, fist pumping. All of our viewers. <laughs> they will fist pump it up. You know, like, when you get married and you sit in the chair and. Yeah. Like, they toss you up in the air yeah. like a pizza. Yes. Have a Nagila. Yeah. <laughs> that's a Jews viewing. Listening. <laughs> now you know what I'm talking about. Damn, Steve, you sleeping. You, you letting Bill. Bill is getting <laughs> your ass. His first time back yeah. in a minute, I'm letting him, you know. Let, let him, him get shine. a shine. Steve, give me like... space. Some Jew space. I appreciate yeah. you. Thank ah. you. No. I mean, uh, I no. I gotta get some. I never knew how easy is it. I found out that anybody can get. A permit to have yeah. a a parade Hannibal in New Burns. Orleans, like anyone. Solange for her wedding. <laughs> like, does anybody? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I didn't know it was that easy. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so you encouraged. Just go to City Hall and yep. just you could hire a band for three hundred bucks. You ever heard Hannibal Burris' thing when he went to New Orleans? He's like, he he bought a band for three hundred bucks. They followed him around all night. Wow. Really? Yeah. So. Can I ask a real, a real dumb, yeah. I'm saying, a real dumb Kill naive it. New Orleans question then? Because I'm just gonna ask him since we didn't know what the line was. <laughs> what is Mardi Gras really about? Oh my goodness! <laughs> so that that's a little more complex. Not getting, okay, not getting drunk. Right, like I know it's more. It's, it's a historical people, component. Yeah, because you yeah. see people in some traditional dress and you know yes. with, and stuff. So I was always wondering. See, see the thing is Mardi Gras goes into the 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 Trinidad tradition and Brazilian tradition like an Afro Caribbean tradition. Okay. And people think it's just oh we go to Bourbon Street what? and we just get drunk and throw some D's. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, Show don't me be something. looking over here. <laughs> and throw some other things too. <laughs> exactly. Such said D's, I'm sorry. But no, no. <laughs> it's 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 a very beautiful tradition that's about people coming together and family and mm-hmm. And keeping traditions that have been centuries old alive, and that's just the the party is is something that has it's morphed into, and you know it's fine to party, but it's not only just a party. It's nice to know where it comes from. That's why I asked. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, how much Caribbean influence is in all the types of music that you just told us about? Oh, it 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 it's like a 
it's like a line. You you come from West Africa, go through the Caribbean. New Orleans is almost like the northern tip of the Caribbean to me. In my mind, I think of it as the same. So that rhythm and even even the um the stories that you hear about reggae and how they would be listening to New Orleans music and it'd be a bootleg signal and they couldn't hear all of the full uh <laughs> rhythm mm-hmm. and they took certain parts of it thinking that that was the rhythm and that influenced the reggae and then it's kind of it's like a feedback loop wow i never thought of that yeah that's amazing i mean so so new orleans music influenced reggae not the other way around or no it's it it influences each other because because the new orleans music came from that line of of the culture moving across and basically sitting in New Orleans and Congo Square being the hub where it kind of was um, fermenting. <laughs> and then, you know, at the end of, of, of slavery, when you kind of have this release, um, it's okay to have people making their music and sharing it with the world. You get people like Louis Armstrong who come up, Buddy Bolt, all these just geniuses. It's like you let the lid off. <laughs> Speaking of which, um, I, I just recently discovered um, our listeners owe it to themselves to discover the music of Lord Kitchener. Oh, okay. We're going to look Who, uh... Go add that to the mix as well. He's, he's, he's king of sort of Trinidadian... He's part... Lord if, if any, Lord, Lord Kitchener, mm. I would say that maybe the, the origins of disco is in the music because uh, with the sock symbol... T- Mm-hmm. Like it's it's traditional uh, Trinidadian music, which is more like mm-hmm. so it's part New Orleans rhythm and the sock symbol thing with mm-hmm. the but lyrically and now his music's coming from the forties and fifties, so he's in the tradition of uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, Who's the humorous uh, '40s jazz guy? Lou Jordan. Lou, Louis Louis Jordan. Yeah, he's in the tradition of Louis Jordan, or almost like the beginning of what Luke and Two Live Crew were about. Wow. Like his songs are quasi risque. Yeah. And wait, can I can I play one yes. song of yes. his? Yes. Okay, it's this is Lord Kitchener's. Um, is it Kitchener or Kitchener? Maybe <laughs> like Kitchener. Yeah, it's a mirror talking, so possibly uh, I could be saying it oh, wrong. Okay. Wait. I'm rural gonna... jury. Got it. <laughs> yes. This is another rural, rural jury. <laughs> yes. Yes. I have a question. Yes. Dumbatiste, how old are you? Because in my head, you're like Yoda and you're like 95 years old because you have that vibe, but I don't think you're that old. Oh, no. <laughs> 31. Wow. No, still? I really? Didn't, I didn't yeah. See, I thought that was a worthy question. He's an old soul, man. It's different. Yo, it's you cool. must have a, it must be a lot of ageism for you because I know them jazz cats be like, man, you don't know nothing. Mm, yeah. I you, mean, you talk wise, elders. though, so I would yeah. think, Yeah. I mean, you you speak wise. So, and you seem to know your history. But the number is the number, though, right? Like, sometimes they just like, but you're 31, though. What could you know? <laughs> Age ain't nothing but a number. It, it, it ain't nothing yeah, but a number. <laughs> okay. All right, you got two choices. My favorite is My Wife's 90, in which... <laughs> yeah, it is. In which he kind of inadvertently gets with her girlfriend who steals his wife's clothes. 
bitch. Or Muriel and the Bug, which is a story about a bed bug that happens to make its home in the most unsavory place of this uh, woman. Oh, we're definitely doing Muriel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like the choice has been made. Yes. I'm putting both of those in the, in the quest love mix supreme of this But I week. love it when you intro a tune and give like the lyrical. Which one is this? Bed bugs. Now I'm going to have to do both because this is less New Orleans tradition than the other song. But What a scream Muriel made. Obviously. First of all, that was an amazing rhyme. <laughs> Secondly, where'd you find this? Yeah. How old is this? Who's like the uh, person that yeah. hips you to this? Yeah. <laughs> that says a lot about them. Um, I, I don't know. Like, uh, oh, I was looking at Calypso because I knew there was more than Harry Belafonte. Yeah. <laughs> so that's in your Google history. The, the beautiful <laughs> thing about streaming is that's one of the best. Louis Farrakhan. Rabbit. He has a traditional oh, he Calypso. Was Calypso? Yeah. 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 Well, I didn't know if he had albums out yeah. with lyrics or he just that are as the... good as this. He got one coming out with Kenny Gamble. Oh, snap. Really? They've been working on it for like Kenny's a decade. Going... <laughs> he going out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, wait. I got to play. My, what's the other one called? My, my wife's. Uh, this one is Muriel and the Bedbug. No, that, yeah, what's the next one? Uh, my wife's 90. Oh, yeah. Because I might have to charge you with larceny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No. He's known as the King of Calypso. Oh, this is nice. But the lyrics are funny. She came for one mm. night with Kitchener. She seems of a decent character. But when I woke up in the morning, my wife Pretty Nighty was missing. Come back with me, wife Nighty. Cynthia, you know it's dishonesty. Come back with me, wife Nighty. <laughs> <laughs> this is like an SNL skit or something. <laughs> this feels like a late night. I something. know, I know, I know. So basically, Kitch, Kitch's wife is away, and he's letting her girlfriend spend the night on the couch. Mm -hmm. And oh, by the way, here's my wife's uh, night clothes. Don't take him Kitch. out the house. Well, he also sexes her down in the third and fourth and fifth verse. And fifth. Oh, dude, it was like seven verses. <laughs> wow. No, I, 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 I am a, a, an immense fan of, 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 of Kitch. Well, Kitch. that's his, yeah, Lord Kitchener. I'm, You're on a first I'm, name I'm, basis. I'm wondering what the song Negro by Injection is about. Dog. It's, <laughs> wow. it's exactly what you think. He goes there. I mean, he injects a lot of Yo, humor and politics. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's sexy. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot of, you know, coming from uh, 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 Trinidad, a lot of his music the clips of music, I, I can hear uh, sort of origins of, of New Orleans music and in there mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. disco and other things like this was in the the fifties. So um, yeah, for That's our listeners, amazing. get 50s. lost in uh, yeah, Lord I didn't Kitchener. Know bad bugs was around then, right? I know, right? Or the in nineties. Can I just let all the ladies know they don't need to fear. They really don't go past your knees, the bed bugs. So I don't want them to think oh. that, that could really happen. Oh, you've had them? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah. kept really? a track record? No, I, I had bed bugs once. It was awful. I'm just saying they, they go to your elbows and to your knees. They don't this go no further This explains all oh, the my things. Goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So your bed bugs weren't that clever to find that area? <laughs> no. <laughs> the treasure. Not in this lady. Mm -hmm. Not Laia's treasure. Mm -hmm. The Not treasure. Wow. That the was a great lyrical choice. That was a great lyrical choice. And Larceny and Nighty are really rhyming today.
Mm-hmm. No, it's he's the best man. He's so, got that Louis Jordan energy too. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. With the humor and all that stuff. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You recorded your first album when you were 17, correct? Yes, yes. What did you know? How much information did you gather in those five years that you learned traditional jazz to make a record? Like, did you know what you wanted and how, I, did, how did it come to be? I had been playing at a club in New Orleans called uh, Snug Harbor, which is like our jazz club. It's like um, you had the balcony where you can look down at the bandstand and then you had the bottom level, which is like 40 people down there. Mm-hmm. And I've been leading bands there from the time I was 15. And I kind of figured out what I wanted in uh, the sound. And I was composing music and things like that. So by the time I was 17, I wanted to document the stuff I had figured out by playing at Snug. Okay. And uh, and also just document the uh, the different musicians that I've been playing with at that time. Um, so I, that was really, for me... Uh, a documentation of something that I wanted um, to look back on because I was about to move to New York. I moved to New York when I was 17 in 2004, um, and that's when the record was finished. Mm-hmm. You moved to New York when you were 17? Yes. Juilliard, for Juilliard? Yeah. But Yikes. Wow. And your parents something were just, I never got to do, man. 
<laughs> what was that like for you today? Was that the first time you've been in New York when you were 17? Well, I was listening to, yeah, well, I've been to New York one time before then. Um, in 2002, we played Summer Stage with uh, Troy and I, Trumbo Short, and we played the Apollo. Um, but you weren't first, 17. You was like 15, 14. 14 and when we did that. That was a summer, yep. Um, and, and we played Summer Stage and we played the Apollo. And that was the first time I ever been to New York. And then a couple years after that, I moved to New York. But um, I had been listening to, actually, I've been listening to a lot of records that you made. <laughs> and that was Ooh. one of the reasons I wanted to go to New York. Cause I was really I went oh for sure okay. I, I I went to um, I did not pay him to say this ladies and gentlemen <laughs> I went to Berkeley the summer after I'd been to New York for there's like a summer I went to that summer program yeah sure. it's like a five week thing I, I got rejected okay. from that because <laughs> <laughs> Ellis Marsalis was on the committee <laughs> that's why I, uh, I didn't make it to the summer program. <laughs> I went to summer. I made it to Juilliard. Couldn't afford to go. What year did you go to the summer program? That was '03. Okay, a long time. I'm older than him. About, yeah, yeah, honey. Oh, wow, that's cool. You went. To, you it's yeah, yeah, but like six years before that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you went there. Yeah. No, I'm, I didn't go to Berkeley. But wait, I, went to the I forget program. that you actually had a childhood and then yeah. and a teenage. <laughs> and I'm, I also play music too. He's kind of talented. I was gonna yeah. say what instrument I know, but did you're you forever play? like my Zach science teacher. He still plays. I like your science teacher. Most of the time, I'm like your CPA. Now I'm like your science teacher. No, but I forgot. I'm sorry. So Wait, the joke, John. Every time he sees me, he I, if I comb my hair, yeah. he, he never recognizes me. Listen, so like this is true on three or four occasions. This is on four you're the doing past. it wrong. You're doing it wrong. But this listen, is true. This is wrong. Listen, he when introduces himself he to me I, every time. Listen, he and I really met when we worked on Hamilton. Okay, yeah. so during the Hamilton mixing process and the recording process, he had like long ass hippie hair. He he was like uh, what's his name with the laugh? <laughs> uh, the comedian, uh, not the comedian, the actor. He we were supposed he was supposed to do the show. Seth Rogen. Why am I playing oh, yeah. twenty five thousand dollar pyramid right now? <laughs> Seth Rogen. I see it. His hair, his hair. Yeah, yeah. He, he had a Seth Rogen vibe wow. about him. Well, and I then can the, see that. And then when Hamilton was finally finished, and we all took like the the master photo together. Yes. Like my accountant came up, he had this nice haircut and, <laughs> and a suit. Yeah, and I shook his hand. Oh, nice to meet you, Amir. And he yeah. just looked at me like, "Motherfucker, it's me." <laughs> so that's funny. But that was like two and a half years ago. Okay, so six okay. months ago, I was at a, six months ago. Mm -hmm. uh, six months. Ago, yeah, last time we've been doing were... this for years. Yeah, like we've been to Minneapolis, L.A. Yeah. Like we've yeah. been all these places together. Yeah, he's been on Sesame Street. Yeah. yeah. So six months ago, we're at a wedding. I was wearing glasses. Yeah. Like that like put, makes me a whole different fucking person. I was wearing a suit and glasses. I walked Darn. up to him. I was like, yo! And he was like, Amir. I was like... <laughs> nice to meet you. I'm Amir. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> it actually made sense in the conversation. It's true. His stepmom is, is Jamaican, by the way. Wow. Is your stepmom Jamaican, man? Really? Where, no, oh, Wait, you, are, you didn't you know are, that? She wasn't here for that show. That was oh. an Angela Kidjo show. How it's you like did. I haven't been here for six like months. Like a black woman or an Indian American woman? <laughs> like a... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you both, should both know cultures this. are in Jamaica, so you I... You know his mom's black. 
No, what? not my my black. Step, my, the stepmother the is like black, black, black. She black. black. Yeah. She can bring rice in peace. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. I I'm, gotta get some. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can you cook, John? You, you... I love cooking a few Ooh, things. You can make I'm not really, food. Red beans and rice. Yes. Yes. With Don Dewey sauce. Without pork. Yeah, some. Wait, are you Wait, going some. to this house right now? Wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> She's inviting herself over. Can you pronounce that word again? Because nobody does that right. I'm Dewey. Oh, I'm Dewey. Act like yeah. you knew how to say that. Oh, <laughs> first sausage. First line. And, and, first line. And sausage. <laughs> and Dewey. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I was going to say, uh, and who's my man that uh, always cooks outside of his gigs? Oh, Kermit Ruffin <laughs> and the Barbecue Swingers. What? Yes. Where they do shows? All Kermit? Kermit, Kermit plays. He plays. He he did a thing at at a club called Vaughn's, okay. and he'd have every Monday night in the in the in the gig a big old pot of red beans and rice what? sitting there, and you just go self serve. Dude, I love Kermit Ruffin's music, but I really love Kermit <laughs> Ruffin's cooking. <laughs> it's amazing. It's yeah. When like I he and he cooks out front. Yeah. Ooh. Like Ooh. not even in the back, where it's just like for the musicians. No. He like, cooks the food. Yeah. Okay. In the front. In the front. Is he I'll be right back. Uh, Serve this pot while I go play the solo real quick. <laughs> like that yeah. type. Oh, wow. Like Goodfellas. Yeah. Like you guys yeah. just yeah. the pot. I want to go. Yes. Is we he from uh, New Orleans. Yes. 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 Kermit Ruffin. Kermit Ruffin's Rebirth alum. Yep. So okay, why did you choose Juilliard? So I was I wanted to come to New York. I went to Berkeley before, and I had gotten a scholarship to go there, and I thought I was going to go there. Okay, I got that out the way. I got one more year high school. Then I figured out what I want to do. Uh, I wasn't even sure if I wanted to go to college, but I was like, if I can get to New York, because actually I was listening to those records that you made, and I was reading the liner notes. What I used to do, I used to go to Blockbuster Video. What and a Tower Records, <laughs> and, they, and Blockbuster, they had a used CD bin. And I used Damn. to get Sorry. <laughs> all the CDs you made were in the used CD bin. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. So Damn. continue, Mr. Batiste. I used to get all of the used CDs and and um, listen to them down, whatever it was, just to get some different sounds happening. Ah, uh, damn. <laughs> John, tell him his wasn't in that bin. Tell him his wasn't in that no, bin. No, no, no. He made. It's okay. I'm kidding. The, the ones, the ones that I bought. Some of them I bought at Tower Records. So actually, no, it was a UCD. <laughs> and my little Duff Half Life came it from was, DMG Music Club, and I didn't pay for that one. So sorry. thanks, uh, Bill. <laughs> Anyone else want to confess? Yeah, I, mine I've came from my roommate. Never, Thank yeah. you, Steve. <laughs> I haven't ever. I worked at Def Jam when Game Theory came out, so I didn't pay for that one either. So no, no, no. things fall apart. I bought. Okay. I uh, like, like water for chocolate is the one. Ooh. Okay. That I was. So I bought Dangerous Michael Jackson. And like water for chocolate at the same time. Wow! Wow, that's random. That was a weird yeah. day. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a range of stuff that was it was happening. The, the bin is just it's the gift that keeps on giving. Mm-hmm. I see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, most most people I know, I know that Krista McBride chose Juilliard because Miles Davis went to Juilliard. Yeah. yeah so yeah. usually, like jazz cats that go to Juilliard, which is. It's not weird of itself because an education is an education, but I do know that Miles Davis going to Juilliard is a big reason why most oh, jazz cats mess with Juilliard. Because otherwise, they will all just go to the new school. But Juilliard's got a vibe, right? It's like 
it's like one of the hoitier toitier music schools. Of it's them a all. classical, right? I mean, it comes from that tradition, so mm-hmm. it has that like Lincoln Center. Right, it's like ties and yeah, with the elders. You know, did you enjoy it? You got your masters from that. That means you served six years there. Yes, sir. <laughs> wow. I was doing stuff that uh, I wasn't supposed to do, uh, which made me take time off in the middle. But then I went back basically because my mom was like. You have one year left at the time to finish the degree. Just go and finish it. But I was doing all types of touring, and basically I kind of developed my work ethic by going to Juilliard and then playing all night and then touring on the weekends and then coming back and then on the breaks doing all kinds of stuff, putting it together. So it was a really great experience to kind of figure out how to do a bunch of stuff at the same time. And... Pretty much, you. When did you finally get your degree? It was 2011, so I started in 2004. Yikes! So, is, did you slide in some acting classes while you were there? Is yeah, that what happened? I, I was. I love that school because there's so much that you can do to kind of uh, cross pollinate. Uh, acting and dancing. There's an orchestra. There's the drama division that you can kind of put these all these all these different things together that I, I, I was always interested in that. Um, that's one of the reasons that why I went. I read Miles' autobiography. <laughs> See? Quincy Troop. Right. It's just it, it, something about Juilliard and also being in New York and, and checking out a lot of the people who are online and those that I liked um, their music, lived in New York at the time, or played in New York a lot. It just it all seemed to make sense. Just all arrows pointed. Well, go to Juilliard. If you make it through school, um, that's great. If not, you'll be in New York where, where everything that you like is happening. So can I naturally assume that perhaps Juilliard's where you met the other band members of Stay Human? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I figured as much. So, okay, how did you guys form? Well, the, the, the drummer and um, bassist, uh, Joe Seller, you Joe, see him right? on, yeah. Yeah, Joe with the Cowboy. Hat. Yeah, <laughs> Joe with the hat. Joe with the hat. We we met in high school. He was visiting, uh, uh, he was visiting New Orleans at the Jazz Fest, actually. Okay. And um, I was cutting my theory class, I think it was, and I was walking around town in the French Quarter because our school was in, um, Noka was near the French Quarter, and he was walking around, and he had a stick bag, and he recognized me. And came up and said, hey, man, do you want to play? And I was like, yeah, let's go. So, <laughs> Hey, how you doing? How you doing? Let's play. Almost n- no words. We walked and, and didn't really speak after that. And we walked to my class that I was cutting. And I was like, hey, I have a guest. And we played a song for the class. And then the next year, he moved to New York to go to the Manhattan School of Music. I moved to go to Juilliard. And that's when the band came together. That's one experience that... I regret really never having. I've I've never been like a jammy guy. You don't like to jam? What do you mean? It's called the Roots Jam. <laughs> and he oh, hated every minute of it. Oh, he you used think to hate I love those. Roots Jam? Used to. <laughs> I avoid them shits. Well, yeah, now it's work. I get it. <laughs> no, it's like it's it's expected, you know, because my legacy's on jamming. But I don't know, like I you created albums off of that, like for phonology. I it's just like. Ooh. Well, for me, I don't like jam sessions because Ooh. someone has to be the bad guy. 
definitely. And say it's time for you to go. All right, that's enough of you. Or no, you can't. Yeah, because there's again, I have two microphones, right. so I'm the guy that's like, you know, trying, trying to tell the saxophone player don't solo over Tariq. Like, play a riff. Play a, like it's 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 it becomes like you think I'm a pain in the ass here. I believe. Imagine me on a job that I'm, you know, like. Sometimes we see you back there. Ah, making it. Right, ah, exactly. Ah. So maybe it's like I have to be the bad guy. But more than that, it's just like I, like Kirk does that easily. Like Kirk goes up to the, whoever the, the, the guest band is mm. on, on the show and they talk about their, their guitars and oh, what, is this a, you know, 63 Strat and da, 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 da. And then they start doing, you know riffs together and I don't know I never like and sometimes that happens like I feel oh god I feel horrible because Chris Dave has been calling me like all week he's been doing this residency yeah. with Robert Glasper yeah. no well technically I was out of town so no no disrespect Chris of course but I I just I don't know why I don't have musician have friends have you ever jammed <laughs> without being the boss maybe that's the problem mm. huh let somebody have, else leave. John. It's not even bossy. that. Like, I think if if it comes to like music collectors, like record collectors, mm-hmm. beat break, like that's my zone. Mm, but I've never been you. the like I the thing is, one, I don't I'm not one of those like, do you know like the oh, this this Steinway was nineteen thirty nine. Like, I don't know what my drums are. Like, yeah, oh, I'm this not. is made of wood or mahogany wood or. <laughs> this is made of wood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not me. Either. I don't know how to talk. I don't. <laughs> You're not a gearhead. No. I don't think no. he is either. No. I'm, you, you know what else? I'm really not a vinyl head, even though I have all those records. Yes, you I'm are. Not, what are you no, talking about? No, he I, means like the material, the vinyl, and the. the no, yeah, no, no, no. Like I just meant like, you know. You're not like, Steve. Yeah, like Nobody's Steve thinks. <laughs> everyone thinks like yeah, it sounds better on vinyl. Oh, okay. oh, that. Oh, you're not one of those. Uh, Good for you, Amir, for coming out because you know people would <laughs> be scared to say that. I love vinyl because that's the thing that me and my dad bonded on as when I was a kid, like going like record shopping. The rest shopping. of us do. Uh-huh. I like record shopping, but I I was never like I don't know which turn people oh, around October, November, like. Can you recommend for Christmas? Yeah. yeah. Can you recommend what turntable I should get? And I'm like, yeah, yeah an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you guys just basically <laughs> within five minutes yeah. you were like, hey, you played me. You played that enough. But didn't you do that earlier in the day, earlier in your life? Like you, like the roots were more of a. Jam. No, dude. I start. My dad threw me into his oldies act. Mm-hmm. Oh, like Tariq was the first person of my age that. I played with it. Even then, like, my parents looked, you know, he was, you hood, not you, mom. Mom listens to this show and gets mad that I throw him under the bus. <laughs> mom loved Tariq. Dad, not so much. So, it's just, there's some truth coming out right now. Yeah, I love it. It's just, you know, I, I, I wish I could enjoy it. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. I don't but know. But ain't really that press. But you just, say just don't like ha- the, not having a roadmap, right? Because we kind of went over this with with Bobby McFerrin. Hey, I love having roadmaps. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I I just Bobby McFerrin with the Juilliard John. I uh, know he's everything. 
Oh, but would you say I that when, when music becomes a profession, the jammy aspect of it all, the like hang out and jam with friends thing kind of comes down? I, I feel like that. Like, yeah, I, I'm in music all day long. The idea of like going and like playing for the sake of playing is a little different now than it was when I was 22. I feel like when you're younger and you're jamming, it's almost like practice. Mm-hmm. Whereas at this point, I feel like we have to have an objective. Exactly. Like, a roadmap. Um, or, or, or just a concept, like we're jamming in order to figure out. Jamming with the purpose. This, yeah, this is the sound. Because I feel like. Yeah, but tell that to Prince, who <laughs> can't tell, can't tell Prince anything. anything. Yeah, no. yeah, like six hours, right. you know, fuck the show. He'll give you a six-hour jam session, which is yeah. probably my only inspiration from, or he do it. All right, I'll come. <laughs> but that was for a reason. They were doing that for the show, like figuring out the parts of the show and stuff like that. At least that's what. But they told Prince them. like really enjoys jam. He don't enjoy. He doesn't like talking to people, so you rather jam with. Him. Wow, I mean, I don't like jamming is, or talking to people. Depends so. on the people, <laughs> right? Because some people don't know how to jam. Mm. So do you? What if you're in a situation? And again. You are you present a situation which people can randomly walk up and play. You do you have to be the bad cop sometimes and like like no more cowbell, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes there's been times where it just crosses the line and then you have to you have to shut it down. But I feel like a, a, a thing that I find joy in is taking something that's just like would otherwise be disastrous in making music out of it. <laughs> like, oh, snap. This person is playing the piano. They are not trained. <laughs> well, let's make this into let's, something. Ooh. See, that's what Bob McFerrin said. Yeah. When I asked him about hecklers, he's like, the, the way that I, I uh, extinguish it is just incorporating whatever they're doing. Yeah. Ah, see, I hate that. Makes your brain hurt. <laughs> I'm a control freak. It's like, oh, wow, that's happening right now. Okay, let's see what we can do with that. Are these with random drunk audience people or like uh, musicians you might ask? Random drunk musicians. Super free. A range. It's a range. It can be anything because sometimes it can be a – you can have a great musician who is is, um, technically there but doesn't understand – the spirit of the moment or what's happening. Okay. And then that can change what's happening and you have to go with that. Otherwise the band sounds dis- disconnected. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. 
Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray, rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So describe to me the day that you got the phone call that you're being considered for the night show. Oh, Which, yeah. <laughs> late night with Stephen. No, it's not late night. Bear? The late show. Late show, late show yeah. with Stephen. I'm sorry, Stephen. I love you, man. All right. So where were you? What was the day when you got the phone call for the late show with Stephen Colbert? So I was in the studio and um, I got a phone call from Stephen himself saying, I'm about to go on vacation for 10 days. And when I come back, I want to sit and have a conversation with you. And he didn't tell me what it was about, but I kind of figured what it was about. Y'all okay. knew each other already. At this point, I'd been on the Colbert Report a okay. couple okay. times. Okay. And after the second time, we kind of had become friends in a way where we could talk and I'd call him sometime. But he was not, um, he wasn't at any way at, at the Colbert Report offering me the job. Mm. But I've been seeing in the news, everything was leading to him taking over for Letterman. And I didn't hear if there was a band yet. I figured, okay, well, if there's a band, we may have heard about it. or At least it's not solidified because they haven't announced it. So when he called me, I figured, okay, he wants to talk about that. Mm-hmm. So he goes off the grid for about 10 days, no phone or anything. And I have 10, thinking about it for 10 days. <laughs> Is this something that I, I think he called me because he knew, okay, think about this. Because when we come back, you're going to probably have to make a decision quickly, which is what happened. Mm. We sat down and he talked to me about his vision for the show. And that was like a a pretty long conversation. Then I, in, I was introduced to the staff, which was going to move from the Colbert Report to the Late Show. Um, and I was, you know, walked around the office and met everybody. And then after about um, two or three hours, he's like, okay, so let me know if something you want to do. And um, we'll we'll call you in the few next few days to you know see where you're at with it. Who else was in the running? Do you know? Well, he told me after this is like after we had done a few shows, a few test shows, mm-hmm. came to the dressing room, and he says, um, "I don't know if you knew this, but Alvis Costello was <laughs> <laughs> Steve. You would have left Steve. there." Alvin, 
He was like, Elvis Costello was basically, I'd given him the gig, but this is before I met you. And Wait, Steve, did you know this? Yeah. Uh, I was going to go work for them. I yeah. knew it. Steve produced some Elvis records. Yeah. So, seriously? No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I don't think I ever heard. If that. you had to make the decision, Steve. Yes. What? Oh, that would be, yeah, that would be a tough decision. I would let Steve do it. <laughs> okay. I'm just kidding. I, Thank God John just wow. worked out. But yeah, that's you would have had to split. <laughs> <laughs> you had to split. I, I'd give it You'd Steve away. You would have been over there with us? I mean, I, I would understand. I would understand. Elvis is his yeah. idol. Like, yeah. You know, I'd tell you. Oh, man. Damn, yeah, Steve, I'm sorry. Around here. <laughs> yeah. So well, he was he was up that's for... That's being loyal to uh, Steve. Why'd you have to say it like... Uh, yeah, yeah. Like Paul Cornley with, with his band? Or, that's a good point. I'm not sure, but... Apparently he flinched, and Colbert had it in the back of his mind after we had met and that Colbert Report Love Ride performance. He was like, I, "I'd be cool to spend some time on stage with this guy." He wasn't aware of me before then, but then yeah, I was about to say, did he go to any of the? No, no, he actually one of his producers went to one of those uh-huh. events. See? And What's the what a what a? What y'all doing? What we were talking about at the beginning. Oh, okay. The little speakeasy. The, okay. Yeah. Right. But this also proves the point that there's Ronald McDonald's and then there's Ray Crocs. Mm. And for every figurehead that you'd think, like, did Stephen Colbert go to these shows? It doesn't matter because it only matters to the five people, the Ray Crocs, the five people that are in Stephen's ear about, this is cool. You should check it out. Right. Right. It's never the person that, the Kanye's that have the ideas. <laughs> it's, the, it's the 50 people in Kanye's yeah. ear that he takes it from. Anyway, so go ahead. So, so that, that, that was um, when we'd done some test shows. He said, you know, and, and Elvis, he flinched. He said, you know, I don't know if I want to have a boss. Um, and then Steven says, okay, well, um, that's okay. Hangs up the phone, <laughs> calls me, and it's like, hey, do you uh do you want to have this conversation? Come back in ten days. We have the conversation. He calls me the next day after we have this this conversation. I meet the staff and he says, you know, I want to um. You officially have been named the band leader of the Late Show. Um, congratulations. We start on this date, and you should start rehearsing your band. <laughs> Did you tell Stay Human yet? So Stay Human was. Basically, for months, and not only that, he was a wild thing in the air where people were coming to me and telling me that I should call Steven, telling me you should be the band. The band was like, man, we had just finished like a nine-month tour, and they were like, we didn't have anything on the books. And the band was like, man, you should call Steven. You cool with Steven, right? You should call Steven. You should get that gig, man. That would be great. We should play that gig. He's so cool. It would be so great. <laughs> and I was just like, I don't know. I just don't know if that's something that I want to do. We just finished my first real tour, mm-hmm. and like we have some momentum. I feel like we could. We yep. hadn't signed a label deal yet. We've just like all this stuff that, and all this stuff good. was yeah. You hadn't good. signed a label deal. No, I'm just putting Damn. out independent. Just put it on the internet. No marketing. No anything. Did you think? Let me just ask one question to the both of y'all. What's the difference? You signed on to the the to Jimmy when? How about how long ago have you have, have you been with him? Um, we agreed in April of two thousand eight. So that's ten years. And it took about yeah, it took about 
seven months to really make it real. Steve, that's like three, four? Three years. It's the fourth year now. Did you four. ever think to maybe make a call? Cause, I, I did. Mean, okay. Oh, yeah. Did you? <laughs> so you made a call. In fact, I, I uh, reached out, but we met before. Um, we could even connect on the phone. The first night of the show, Alex Soros had a birthday party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and you basically laid the he laid the whole science of the gig down at at this party. Did y'all follow at the, that? At the Boom Boom Room. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I it was um the second time that I talked to a band. The first person I talked to was was Schaefer. Right, right. Chevy Chase introduced me to Schaefer. Oh, and no. We went to he lunch. was nice to you? Well, yeah, Chevy yeah, Chase? Yeah, yeah, that was so loaded. I was, I was like, Ugh. wait, you cool with Chevy you Chase? Cool with Chevy Chase? I wasn't cool with Chevy Chase, really, <laughs> but I had dinner with him a couple times from a mutual friend. Okay. Whoa. And he was like, you should, and he plays piano. So we bonded over the piano. I never knew that. He was oh. in Steely Dan for a minute. He like, plays. Early Steve, like, before they got the deal. What? Chevy Chase? Yeah. Chevy Chase plays piano this is why you're here because i never knew that <laughs> he play, bill evans is his idol oh wow yeah. wait the chevy chase comedy yes idol okay <laughs> wow Damn. so did he introduce you to paul schaefer yeah because i didn't know paul but obviously i wanted to talk to him yeah. when this was kind of in in the running um and i i went we went to um pj clark's up in lincoln center and and he and he told me his experience, and then Amir, we uh we met on the first night of the show at Soros, mm-hmm. and he told us about how y'all do all of the stuff with Preparate, the talkback mics and the laptop, right. and mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of just I sought everybody out. I, I I called Branford, and um, we linked up when he was in town doing it's like a Bill Withers thing at Carnegie. It was all like right around the beginning of the season. Oh, I'm having a brain fart. Who's Post Bradford from Philly? Kevin Eubanks. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin. Eubanks. And yeah. I went to see Kevin played with Dave Holland at the Vanguard. Um, which oh, we're playing the Vanguard next week. Shout out. But uh so <laughs> the the Vanguard with Dave Holland. Wait, stay, stay human? Uh yeah. Oh, hell yeah, I'm coming. Yeah. Uh it might be sold out, but go ahead. No. Marissa will hook me up. Thank yeah. you, love. I love you. <laughs> Shout out to Marissa. How you doing? <laughs> Marissa go way back. Actually. I know. Yeah. She was with us first. Anyway. <laughs> and then she made the switch. Yeah. Shut up, my ear. Go ahead. That's true. I'm going to the winner's circle. Yeah. That's not true. No, You're no. a winner. I was playing. Late Go ahead. Wars Go ahead. Continue. Shut up, man. Go no, ahead. man. Oh, Elvis just sent me an email. I got to go. <laughs> okay, so you're basically saying that you went and sought out. Wow, you did it in ways that I didn't even think of. I think maybe I talked to Branford for like one second. You want to hit up Doc Severinsen? You know he's still around. Yeah, Doc is around. Well, he played with us, but I didn't. The thing was, it like we literally, we weren't going to take it. And I just, during those eight months from April to, to eh, what, uh, September, mm. I just figured, okay, I know we're not going to take this gig because the money was getting good. Just leave it alone. It's just numbers. What? Your math. It's okay, though. <laughs> you said eight months, April to September. That's like five. Oh, yeah, you nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Any words? <laughs> Chevy Chase played the piano. Chevy Chase. Come I'm on, Chevy. D- I'm just saying that. 
I meant I said September, but I, I guess we told him it's real maybe in November. Okay, so okay. I'm just saying that in my mind, I thought, okay, you're going to say no, but at least you're going to have a friend in late night so that when the Roots release records, you can be the musical guest. Mm-hmm. And that's all we wanted because we were making good money at that point. And, you know, I... I guess he kind of didn't take no for an answer. But in my mind, I just thought, by that point, a lot of acts that we were opening for back in uh, 94, 95, like, we're now, they're now opening for us. Like, and no disrespect, I, you know, I love, but it, it, I would hate when our management would let Run DMC open for us. Mm. And I'm like, they're fucking Run DMC. Like, they need to headline. And even Run DMC was like, nah, dog, we just do this hour, get our money, be out. And, you know, (laughs) like, they didn't care about, like, whatever romantic things I had in my head of us being legends. They just, like, give us the money, let's go. Not for nothing, y'all, but, like, for real, have y'all two soaked up this moment where we we just mentioned all these past band leaders, and this is great, but this is the first time, like, the two brothers have really been helming the... The band leader thing on the late night, like what at the time? same time. I mean, there was right? at the same e. time, at the same time, at the same time, at the same time on the two competing shows, not on the late, 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 and the late. And Y'all wanted the second. It's like <laughs> it's there. This ain't Steph Meyers. Well, let me finish my point. My point was, <laughs> my point was basically, <laughs> and I had Bill in mind when I did this. Let me finish Uh-oh. my point. Uh-oh. My point was pretty much that uh, I just. I didn't want to be in that Run DMC position. I just thought, like, okay, it's 2008. Oh, man, what if we're not a thing in in 2015? We'll be Run, mm. we'll be, we'll be run DMC mm-hmm. opening for Drake or, right. yeah, like like we could ever do that. Anyway, I'm just saying that that was part of my, okay, let's, let's just go here and yeah, yeah. get safe and we'll just go somewhere quietly to die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what I thought. So optimistic. Like, yeah. Well, I never, I never once thought that it would be beneficial. Mm-hmm. So, in your head, after you, after you got all this information, what were the pros and what were the cons? Honestly, I, I was, I was looking forward to touring more, but I really, Stephen actually kind of really convinced me because. Not not by what he said. I just really liked him because I wasn't familiar with the Colbert Report before I was on the show. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know anything about him or his whole um, ethos or the whole kind of satire that he came from right. and that tradition. But when I met him and talked to him, we just had a lot of things that I felt like were in common and his objectives for the show, what he wanted to do in the world in general with everything that he had been doing. I was really compelled to do it because of that and I also thought well at the time I was 26 <laughs> so I was like why do you laugh every time he mentions the age because that's just amazing it's like what do you do after that's just I remember where I was at 26 and right? it definitely was not on late night television no as the, <laughs> as the band leader like he not just playing I'm just it's funny. I, I just I unemployment felt- line <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. It was. It was. It was. It was such a um, a, a great vision that he 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 showed us. And I mean, you know, this is before Trump, but it was just the idea that it was let's make a show about people. Oh yeah. Um, 
So did you draw any parallels between his concept for his show and what you've been doing in music? And stuff? Absolutely. I mean, there's something we talked about in the first uh, initial conversation about the show, um, calling the show the joy machine. Like it's a machine that you get into and you basically create joy and you pump it out through the airwaves. That's my word. Life is a joy machine. That's my word. I I tell people all the time, joy is the ultimate level. Like happiness is cool, but yeah. joy is man. Don't look at me. Wait, one. What? What? How did you? That's two, not black. How did you two not know this? And Steve, how did you know this? <laughs> oh, I was just trying to insult her. I didn't know it was a real thing. I was no. just calling her a joy machine. It's like a real thing. Like me and my dad, we have a whole thing about joy and how it's really yeah. that didn't just yeah. happen. Yeah. That yeah. just happened. Like happiness is fleeting, but joy is forever. Even when you're mad, right? It's still this sense of this joy is just. So wait, amazing. you were trying to be a dick, and yeah. it backfired on you it did. because that's actually yeah. what, actually yeah. I will be a joy bringer. That was an, that was an inadvertent alley you. Wow. I would wow. love to be that person, Steve. Like to bring that's joy to team. people. Wow. Nice work. Wow, that's so good. That's so. So, good. okay, I'm curious <laughs> to know. I'm curious to know what your daily schedule is now. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I want to know if it's similar to mine. First of all, how often do you guys have to? Do you guys ever back up guests that come on the show? Yeah, yeah, we back up guests. Sometimes it, uh, fragmented parts of the band back up a guest. Like um, the last thing we did, um, I played. Not with the band, with Nas, Mac Miller, when he, um, man. Yeah. Oh, he did his last performance. Wow. Wow. Last performance on TV. Damn. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, Man. Yeah, we we do it a fair amount. Um, In season one, we we did it a lot. Okay. But, um, and we also did a lot of sit-ins. And then after about a year and a half, we kind of scaled back on that. And now we're just the uh, sit-ins. Yeah, it's hard as shit, ain't it? <laughs> yeah, <Man. laughs> let's talk about it now. Uh oh, let's talk. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. John Batiste, do it. Go. Like it's hard. I'll start first. Well, you, okay. The thing is, it's because I always want my fantasies. Like, yo, I want my idols to sit in with me. That's what. I- and the thing is, <laughs> it's like my idols are. I'm being generous if I say 60. They're more like 65, 70, 75. And, <laughs> and setting their years ways. Old. And setting their ways. And the thing is, to be the position that we're in right now, oh, t- trust me, we're, we're birds of a feather. Yes. I believe that the, to be in the position that we're in right now is a bunch of fast thinking. Thinking fast, thinking fast. Man. And oh, no. I, someone that gets what? Man. So we want, uh, who, who's, who's the cat that, um, uh, the drummer, right? Uh, no, 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 no. Clyde Snowfield. <laughs> Yo, oh. not, not names forget, yet. We're not forget, doing names yet. Forget Clyde. Well, Clyde. Rest in peace, Clyde. Away, dead. Yeah. So you know. Um, wait. <laughs> we'll speak Who's, ill of the dead. I got a great example. I got a great example. Go. There's two examples. Who's the guy? Who's the guy that sings the theme to Mr. Belvedere? Oh. And the ALL, uh, the all uh, detergent. Belvedere. Rich from the China. Uh, we can all utilize. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wanted to know I it. it was supposed to come, Mr. Belvedere. Come on, Mr. Belvedere. A double L. Like he, <laughs> he Leon was, Redbone. Leon Redbone. Oh, okay. so Leon wow. Redbone. He's about was he like seventy eight now? How would he get the gig? Because Jimmy. Lo- That's the thing. Like oftentimes, um, like random ideas will come. 
And the, the, the unfortunate thing is, like, the perception of, oh, the Roots can do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Is that hurts us so much because <laughs> I'm a dog. It's smoke and mirrors. Not human. Yeah, with 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 smoke and mirrors. I mean, anything yeah. can happen. But oftentimes we'll get thrown. Occasionally we'll get thrown a curveball mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, I want uh, you know, I want to hear the guy that sings the all the commercials from the '70s and and the Mr. Belvedere theme. And it's like. Wow. In theory, it seems like a good idea. Yeah. But it's like, I'm the one that has, and usually these people are like 79, 80 years old. Right. So it's like, he's okay. He's 69, by the way. How old is he? 69. Trust me, he's more like 89. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, okay, so at the count of three, we're going to start. Whatever the lyrics are to Mr. Belvedere. And it's like, they might not be that quick. Right. You know what I mean? And oftentimes they'll be like, one, two, three, and, and they'll just look at the camera like, oh, man. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Who's the guitar player in um, um, uh, Aretha Franklin was singing Respect to Him in uh, the Blues Brothers? Uh, Oh, oh, God, what was his name? uh, McIntyre Murphy. No, McIntyre Murphy. (laughs) One time, (laughs) McIntyre Murphy. You remember how Aunt Esther... In Friday, when she was the Jehovah's Witness, the way she said, fuck you, to ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> fuck 
Ah. <laughs> 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 well, the funniest moment in 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 our history of that show of sit-ins, Macintyre Murphy again up there in age or whatever, uh-huh. didn't want to wear end ears or anything. So yes. I'm like trying to tell him, okay, the next song is in G minor. Yeah. One, he, two, three. And he just looked at me and he's just like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and he took his guitar and walked off. Oh, like, oh you got to walk off. <laughs> oh, just, my goodness. Wait, there's some side eye Man. shit going on over here. No, Marissa, no. your mic is on. Over to you. No, what, she was just talking. We got stories at the late What's show. your favorite sit-in What story? stories are you allowed to tell? You can speak Man. in, 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 in pictures or, in we had colors. We had Jazz Week. That oh, was, yeah. We are talking about some good oldies. Wow. It was legendary. I'm trying to explain it was to them that but... it's only like 12 seconds yes. of... Tootie of... and Jimmy Heath. That oh, was, my that was Oh, you had, Jim, you had the Heath? Yeah. The Heath what? brothers. The Heath brothers? Uh... That week it was the Heath brothers, uh, Wayne Shorter. Wow, he got it right, uh, Roy. Roy, Roy Haynes. Haynes. Oh, oh Roy Haynes. Yeah, he can. No, he's good. Roy is good. Roy played over Stephen on a bumper. Okay, yeah, people, he's eighty five. Yeah. Roy is eighty. 85 at least, right? He's like, he's, he's 92. Yo, no, he called my we dad. We collectively week. get fired. Right? No. Like, yeah. no, no. If you're looking yeah. for a music director job on late night television, <laughs> he might be over there. Right. <laughs> he, he played over st- the bumpers, it lasts, you know, like 12, 15 seconds coming in. And then you stop. And then you stop. And then the show goes on, it propels you into the next act of the show. So Roy is playing, and he's in the middle of just this fiery solo. Yeah. And like all of us on stage are like, man, this is amazing. But I'm like, how do I get him to stop? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like waving my hands. Can't they just fade co- the like, black? I mean, like, no, no. No. Oh, yeah. no. Oh, you were coming in. Yeah. Ah, oh. I'm like, how do I get him to stop? You gotta throw shit at him. So what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? So at at one point he he realized it. And, uh, but it was about 30 seconds in. Oh. <laughs> and Stephen was like, did I just hallucinate? <laughs> did y'all just hear that? <laughs> you know, he incorporated it yeah. into the bit. But it just, the, the, the sit-ins are very difficult. How, how, conclusion. how distracting, <laughs> can I ask, how distracting is noodling oh, I hate that. Uh, I don't to know. the show? What? Noodling. No- Okay, so uh, I mean, it's I, guitar players. I'm not, I'm, not, most I'm, not, of the time. I'm not throwing Jimmy under the bus at all. Jimmy is very distracted by noodling. What so there's cooking noodles on the side of the stage. Yeah, <laughs> like Kermit Ruffins. You're an <laughs> asshole. It's like five million people asking like the same question. Right. It's just yeah, it's like, like you know, fiddling around with your guitar. I'm not playing notes, but you're not Thank playing you. the song. Thank like you, even, even if the amp is off, you know, sometimes guitar players will sit there and like, oh my yeah, God. yeah, yeah, practice a little bit, but Jimmy can still hear the. Oh my so goodness. So oftentimes I have to remind people like any tuning any tuning or you're basically supposed to be a frozen statue. Yes. While the show's going on. Ah. And oftentimes one little like amp or oh. accidents happen, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it has the potential to throw his concentration game off. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're shooting uh, a, a three-point shot with five seconds left in the game and suddenly your mom's on the side, hey, 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 you know, and distract yes. you, huh? Yeah, and it. it could throw off the game. Mm-hmm. So 
I, I'm saying how when mistakes like that happen, is there fear in your heart? Like, oh God, this is the end of my. It it's we've gotten good at 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 moving around because we still move around um, the theater and 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 and. Basically, we'll be playing in the balcony one break, or we'll be playing, and you know, it will go to the. Um, there's two tiers, so we'll go to the balcony on the stage side, or we'll go to the balcony on the audience side, or we'll go in the aisles, or and and we have a lot of percussion instruments, mm-hmm. and tambourines make a lot of noise when you pick them up and put <laughs> yes, them down. Yes, yes. So we've gotten good at it, so we don't have as many hiccups anymore. But we got a note early on, like in the first year. We got an email. <laughs> I get the email, and it's like, so um, during the, the, the show, we'd like it if this, the band area could be as quiet as possible. And I was yeah. like, oh, okay. Yeah. Learning. No more tambourine. The in, but the energy was like during the show, I knew it was coming because I think somebody dropped a tambourine, and Steven looked over. He didn't say anything, but he just looked over like, he's like, mm-hmm. hmm, okay. <laughs> And then next day, oh, okay. you got that memo. <laughs> what what time do you have to be there normally? Well, um, it's changed production meetings. Or is Marissa the production <laughs> meeting person? What time do you have to be there in the morning? So I technically don't work at the Late Show anymore. I work just for John, but I worked there for three years. I actually worked the premiere of the Late Show and the premiere of the Tonight Show you did. Wow. as an intern. Oh, she took the information and made it yes. stronger. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> so this is like a colliding Wrong. of two worlds right now. Yeah. A little, a little bit, yeah. But um, production meeting starts at 10:30. So back when I was an employee at CBS, had to be in around 10. John usually gets in around. The schedule changes depending on how you feel with the band, how often you need to. Do you rehearse. live in Manhattan? Please tell me you do. I used to. I don't anymore. No, you live in what? Brooklyn. Brooklyn. He used to live two blocks away. Damn right, you look at <laughs> live in Brooklyn. Look at him. Yep. That belong in Brooklyn. <laughs> yes. I still maintain they yes. want me to live at Thirty One Rock. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh for sure. John, John would roll out of bed and walk to work in probably fifteen seconds. That's, That's how close he lives. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Now so it's like an hour. <laughs> I, I, Culture. So I just wanted Culture. to get, get away outside from of it. Yeah. And also, I want I'm, I'm, I want to put a studio. I have so many things that I want to record, so I'm putting the studio at the bottom floor so I can kind of just roll out of bed and go to the studio and then go to work. Can I ask you just to rate your millennialism? How, what part of Brooklyn do you live in? <laughs> so it's like Clinton Hill, Fort Greene border okay. near Barclays. What's what you think, Bill? That's like you know, stage five Either millennial. Yeah, yeah. Rate your millennialism. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's still his age. <laughs> rate your millennialism. He, he's living around the area where I used to live when I first moved to Brooklyn and got priced out. Oh, oh, you gentrified. You got, right? you got a jobby job. <laughs> do you, can I ask, do you that ever reap any of the the cons of, because we all know that Steven is so involved in the politics side of things. Mm-hmm. Does that ever come at you in any type of way? You know, it 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 doesn't, but it's definitely um, a line to mm-hmm. tread mm-hmm. Uh, in the sense that you have your identity, but your identity is so closely related to the show and the content of the show. So yeah, people watching the show probably know what they're getting into. Right. Yeah, they. But I didn't know if you. Exactly. I didn't know. If, I didn't know. That's true. But I didn't know if you get those. They, he's, I'm sure he still gets mean emails and and hate stuff. I'm talking about Steven, not John. Oh, I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah. People still don't like. It. They know what he's saying and they don't like it. I love it myself. But I feel like if you're watching Stephen Colbert, you know what you're getting. Oh, you do. Mm-hmm. 
Not that I watch. So anyway, what's the cafeteria like there? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, no, there's so many things I want to ask about the show. First of all, what? How? What's the degree level of the of the theater? How cold is it? Oh man, damn. Or is it give me too freezing. cold? It's like. I'd say probably 58 degrees. Yeah, you can see your it's breath. still Letterman cold. It's, yeah, they've kept it cold. They say that they keep it cold to make people, make people laugh. Right. Girl. And back in the day, they kept it cold because the lights were so hot, but now they're LEDs, so they don't produce any They always heat. got a reason. <laughs> they say the strip club but, to keep the nipples hard. It's always a reason. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, so, exactly. So, you just got to wear a winter jacket when you're in there. We, we, we should say that uh, the CBS Theater... Uh, Letterman was there first. Yeah. And he started, normally it should be 68 degrees. Yes. And then when the lights come on, it's then it's hot. But as she said, now it's LED. It doesn't, there's no heat uh, emanated from it. And now it's like 58 degrees. Yeah. That's not human. That's, that's ballpark, but I think around there. It's the other day human. it was factually recorded at 58 factually <laughs> recorded because that was not fake news how big is the not, theater though there was a it's it's about it's a 500 seater really tall ceilings there's a big dome really yeah. it's 500 seats yeah. is it bigger than the other one marissa mm-hmm. okay yeah it's the ceiling is that's what he's asking so no no because uh, yep I, in my mind i thought you guys were playing for like ten thousand people no no it seems large as so it's like a little like 490 something Shit. Looks big on camera because the dome is the dome is pretty massive. Okay. But yeah, seat wise, it's I think it's under five hundred. Yeah. Oh damn. Okay. I thought it was thousand. Uh, it's a nice. It's, do you it's, guys have to warm up at the beginning. Oh yeah. Are you tired of marching out and doing the? It's like a. Uh, it's it's good for the band if we keep it fresh. So if we we change it, how often do you change clothes? Exactly. <laughs> so you got you got to come out and. You have to do something that you don't even know how it's going to turn out. It's almost like a, a way for us to warm up ourselves, not even just the house. So we recently, we've been doing Sonny Rollins' uh, St. Thomas. Oh. Okay. Yeah, but sometimes we used to go out and it would just be like, here's, here's the groove, let's play ska in G. <laughs> and then we'll modulate on Q to B flat. Right, so you guys have your your code speak. Yeah. Okay, since you're playing in close quarters, I will say that for the Roots at least, these last nine years have have brought us so close together in a way that is scary where we can now literally have conversations with each other musically, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, just our our level of code speak, certain... Certain reference lines. If Mark plays something, we know, you know, third row, five seats in, <laughs> polka dot shirt. Not anymore because he's married. Exactly. He can look. He can, he can look. He just can't touch. It's a new marriage. He can't look. They newlyweds. He can't. He can't. Oh, yeah. It, oh, it yeah. Okay. yeah, I heard that. Yeah, my fault, Mark. Well, I mean, it was hypothetical. But the point is that uh, there's at least. There's about 30 things we can communicate with each other yeah. oh. without saying a word to each other. I could literally play something on the tambourine or 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 the cymbal or something. If I want Kirk's attention, I know what riff to play. If I want the horns to know something, 
I do a rhythm on the the, the floor. I mean, so are you guys at that Zen moment now where you guys know each other that well? Yeah, it's it's some wild just codes that we got happening with, especially with the band who the guys who were part of the band before the show. Mm-hmm. We brought some of that in because we developed a lot of of um, codes when we would play on the subways. Because when we played on the subways, you couldn't always say something to the cat. <laughs> Here comes thugs. Let's go. Right? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like taking that and then also playing together every day. It's, it's been a lot of little things that when we play a venue now, it just feels like, oh, we're running now. We took the weights off our ankles. Right. <laughs> It's like, oh, this is like way easier than it used to be. All right, one of my final questions. Are you tired of people asking you, how long is this going to be for? Oh, my goodness. Well, how long is it going to be for? Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean. Black, yeah, so black, 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 black. Hey, yeah, that is, I got to get one You got to ask every man, every 30-year-old man that question, how long you going to be here for? Because, you know, y'all like to roll out. I mean, the. the I, I tell you what, the 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 first part of the contract is five years. Okay. So I'm there. There you go. And the rest, we'll see. I mean, I love doing it. I don't have plans of leaving. So it's just, it's hard to know because we're actually doing a show almost every day. And it's like, you got to be thinking about that. Because you can't, now you can't do projects like you did the season of Treme and stuff yes. like that. But you you want to, do you want to still do things like that? And- that's another question I have. Wait, did you? Can he? Does each band member? Well, it's this adds okay. on to that. Does each band member have their own backup sub, just in case you get a call about blah 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 being in the hospital or wow, someone's you didn't think of that. I'm I'm We've never subbed. Ooh. I'm just damn. Y'all love each other too. <laughs> it was like shots fired at me. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of what would happen if we needed a sub. So if somebody's sick, they just like they, Joe they, was sick. Yeah. Nobody been sick. What kind of what y'all doing? In now? four years, what kind of health regimen y'all on? Or had a family emergency? I've been sick on stage before. Steven's also been sick on stage before. With y'all, it's kind of the show has to go on. Yeah. I found I finally found a drummer that, like, when I closed my eyes, I was like, holy shit. I'm playing drums. Who that? Who is that? Um, who did I just ask you about? Uh, Ray's Ray's drummer. Uh, Willie Jones the third. Willie Jones the third. Oh yeah. I want him to be. I want him to be. Okay. Do you just want vacation? What do you? No. Well, I mean, just in case you get a call or something. Like that's the thing. It's right. it's. Just in case you things can happen. I you know when my father passed away and I had to rush to. To take care of stuff in Philly, I need someone to send him for four days, yeah. and I had that person. But there's other things to your job besides drumming, like his. Yeah, but at the end of the day, it's it's still I know that there's a lot that revolves, but the the way that the circle is now and the way that I planned it, you know. Okay. I could, as long as those twelve seconds are straight going in my, and going out. Well, my point is that. Your guys' jobs involve more than just musicianship. You have to be charismatic. You have to be funny. To yeah, but there's Tariq. See, there's there's. Now, see, you got Tariq though, right? But John don't have that. Who's your Who's the second most charismatic person in the group? Just in case, who would you say would do that? That not thing? like John. You got who an would, energy. This I don't know. Like could step in and 
be the front man? Yeah. We, I don't think we've ever... I don't mean forever. I just mean Elvis, like a yeah, show. for a show. Elvis Who would do that? Who's in the band now? <laughs> I think we're messing them up because now somebody's like, going to get sick. I, feel I know. Like... I feel like we're getting that energy out there. <laughs> That's not... I don't, I don't want to... And now Questlove just, has the evil grin on his face. Yeah. <laughs> he's having his hands together. I was thinking because... Some airborne when you're even, even in situations where someone has um, missed shows, we don't get a sub. We just play with a uh, with the band without... Like, like, like Louis Cato... Plays the bass, and then when he was out for a while, we just did shows where there was no bass. Wow. He didn't do it with no drums because we have tuba as well. Right. So I mean, it, it would be interesting. Let's not do this. Bob was. I don't. I think this is dangerous. I don't know. But you should. You should to plan prepare? for it. No. Yeah. No. You should plan for it. But yeah, I gotta think about that. It's almost seven hundred shows we've done. Six. Yeah. Six, what are you guys on now? Like, we're 2000? on number. No, we are. No, we're about. We're coming up on two thousand. We're on 800-something right now, right? Are we in the 900s? Yeah, we're 950 on the Tonight Show, and we did like 970 on the first one. Oh, shit. I forgot about but who's late night. Hey, John. I forgot about the first one. <laughs> hey, hey, John, what's a Hollywood African? Oh, my goodness. Nice segue. You like that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so in entertainment, Jean-Michel Basquiat, yeah. who I've been researching for the last year because I'm doing a musical. It's inspired by his life for Broadway. <gasps> I've been researching him, and that's one of his paintings from '83. Oh, Hollywood one of his Africans. paintings is called. Now, fuck! Why did not? Now I feel ignorant. See, I okay. thought you was you was trying to lead Shit. into something. I thought you knew that. Well, that's already. the the title. Yeah, no, I know what yeah, yeah, the title, that. but tell, it's also tell the, the viewers title. At home. <laughs> so it's oh, the yeah. title of my album so that my we just put an album out um, called Hollywood Africans. But the title is a homage to Jean Michel Basquiat's 1983 painting, where he's kind of it's an indictment of the entertainment industry and the way that there's a marginalization of African-American entertainers and how they have to wear a mask while they were we innovating the and creating all these different things. Code yeah. speaking? Yeah. <laughs> we talked about code speaking on the show last week. It was the funniest thing ever. Oh, on y'all show? Um, because uh, uh, the actress that used to be in The Hunger Games and now in uh, Amanda Th- Sigfried? Thug. Uh, yeah. Amanda, uh, Amanda Sigfried, that's wrong. But yeah. I forget it. Amanda. Amanda S. Yes. The hate you give, girl. She was, she was trying to explain what code speaking was. Did he <laughs> get All it? the roots looked at each other like, mm. someone gets it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, you know, are there any other? Have we covered everything? No, we haven't covered everything. No. Is there something that you missed? Um, no, it's just so ultra interesting, you know, uh, to to hear about. Um, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I've heard Steve, everything. what? What was that? <laughs> um, Way to wrap it up, Steve. Well done. Can I? Can I just ask? I'm sorry, I have to do this for just because I'm a female and somebody's gonna want to know. You single? What's your deal? <laughs> hey, nah. <laughs> all right. No, I'm in a relationship. Talk about. All right. Yes. All right. I am. All right. You a marriage dude? Wait, don't <laughs> put him in the. All- no, you always do that. He's and a beautiful people man. Hit, people hit me on the, like this let me in a relationship. You? Huh? They hit, they hit you too when I ask you about your personal they like No, that? when they when you when one one guest of ours was like, "Damn, why she had to put me in the altar like that?" Like oh, that's ah. what, uh, Quincy Jones. Hey. That's what she does. Nobody heard that one. Quincy hey. Jones. <laughs> wow. All right, no. that's enough. Thank John, you. You're taken. You. Congratulations to thank, her and thank, there you go. Thank you, John, thank for you. Uh, the 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 late night wars edition. <laughs> dun dun dun. Go ahead. All, yeah, all we need is uh, what's his name, formerly of Mac Tub, um, 
Um, oh, um, but, 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 um, the, I can't think of his name. I can see his face, but I can't remember his name. Afro. Who's that? He's um. Used to be a Mac tub. He's Guys, Reggie something, right? Google. Reggie Watts. Reggie Watts, yes. Reggie Watts yeah. Reggie yeah. Watson. Oh, yeah. Oh, another late night music director. Reg. Good. Yes. We, we we need to have the a, a late night symposium with all the... Yes. The, that would be so dope. Yes. That would be dope. Love Reg. Oh, an audio and, situation. And Fred Armisen. <laughs> right? Isn't he? Yes. 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 Another drummer. Or we'd like to thank you for being on the show. Yeah. Thank you. Shout out to Marissa too. You you can always come back to tonight's show. Check out John's new album on streaming on Pandora right now. Oh yeah. Yes. And then go look at the. Don't go look at the painting. Painting has got a lot of info in it. I do have a question. Of course. Go ahead, Steve. The you guys have like a rehearsal room there, like. Yeah, yeah. Is it is it big? Oh, are you big. trying to get it? <laughs> well, you know, is it I can big? attest. Okay. I've seen both. So yeah, you know ours. So. It is pretty much the same size. Okay. Yours is a little. Yours is better because you have an actual mixing board in there, and you can record straight into. We don't have that. Oh snap! You You're right. I told you to do that. Hooked up. Wait a minute. Time out. I gotta extend this show for three minutes. <laughs> Wait a minute. You guys do that show and don't document any ideas that you have during rehearsal? Oh, yeah. We do definitely. voice memos on the iPhone. <laughs> you know. Wow. Gangster. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. With an organized Dropbox system. <laughs> <laughs> Again. Technology killing I'm saying get a little recording system inside your rehearsal room. Yeah. And then you can document. See, I, I thought Steve. you meant in the office because I have that in the office. No, we our our dressing room is our studio. Dig we made we that. made Elvis Costello's rest uh, album inside of that dressing room. And yeah, other like, places in real studios. Yeah, and have I'm you like, ever been there? always kind of debunk the myth, Steve? Like it's can more. Can you also debunk the myth that that's your, just one dressing room? There's y'all got like five. Like I just y'all no, have it's like no, we yeah. got two. It's, it's two. like a it's like a gym locker room in, the, in there. I mean, because we have. We have there's the two dressing rooms and then one of them is the band one half of it is the band rehearsal room and then I have the, the office but that's on the other side of the building so that's where like the drums and the recording equipment are but in the band area I never thought to put a recording situation yes in there. that way and get you get, get you, you a Steve, Steve. <laughs> get you a Steve and then when you and then have a computer on stage where everyone's in here, and then oh, reminds yeah. you. That's so we what I have saying. that, but we just played the voice memos through it. <laughs> yeah, the iPhone 8 isn't that bad. You we said. record the voice wait, memos wait, wait, wait. and we play them no, through so the laptop. You're telling on me stage. that you don't need an engineer, so just let's drop it. <laughs> Yo, I'm sorry. Last Again, question. The iPhone. Yeah. Random question. Can the roots appear on that show? And if you were, if your album could it appear on the other show? Could y'all ever be on the same show I at the same time? I would gladly have. Uh, John Batiste on the Tonight Show. Whether there's no who's the new Les Moons of CBS? Yeah, we don't have one yet. Y'all have y'all y'all country without a president. Well, you have the CO step in, but we don't have no one has been brought in. Um, I definitely know that the Roots aren't welcome to anything on CBS, including the Grammys during the Les Moons period because. The the proximity of the late night wars was like a thing in his head. Okay. So. Oh okay. wow. Oh, 
it's yeah. a new day wow. for women and y'all. No, ah. I, I want it. Hey, <laughs> hey ah. you want it? Listen, you you want it? No, I'm just saying that I have zero qualms, and you know, the, uh, Stephen and Jimmy have done that. They did the back yeah. on each okay. other's shows before. Okay. Oh, so. <gasps> Okay. And to me, one of the greatest things, like, I would love to do an April Fool's Day where it's like both shows straight and something stupid. But, you know, that would be dope. It would be. Both on my show. Remember that Charlie Brown? I think. You Wait, know. we had the Charlie yes. Brown battle. Yes, that was so. We weren't, yeah. we weren't allowed to post that though, but maybe we'll take it out of the archives and put Wait, it on why? Instagram. The late night war. Come on, situation. man. Less wouldn't allow that. He don't like you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought it was Lauren. <laughs> I, I'm. I, we, we thought it was NBC. It? Wasn't allowing really? us to do it. Yeah. Dun dun dun. I, yeah. I, I don't. don't Steve, I don't, I'm not saying about that. So Steve love, is trying uh, to leave. Look, <laughs> like I'm supposed to know what's going on on the Lauren Michaels level. Again, this is what happens when executives <laughs> and lawyers and red tapes <laughs> get involved. What do you want me to say? We'll oh, take, we had we'll, some really we'll take it out. We'll we, take it out of the archives. That was so cool. We had a we had a like a a, a Lucy and Linus battle. via text message, and it started out. How did it start out? I think either James or it was James. James. So Megan Trainer was on the show promoting the Peanuts movie, right? And her and I go back. Wait, the look on your face, Bill. That was like us. I wish the audience could see your face right now. All of our viewers. Yeah, John's taking a picture. Well, so long, long like your story face short. Like, that's what your face is like. But go ahead. I don't remember Megan Trainor on the Peanuts movie. Me so neither. She did like soundtrack. She had a song. Yeah, oh. she had a song on it. But um, long well, story short, we go back and uh, she texted me and she was like, I'm at Tonight's show and I used to intern there back in 2000. I don't know. Something. Something. Mm-hmm. Um, so she recorded James, uh, or no, I recorded John playing the Peanuts theme song on the piano right. and texted over to her. Five minutes later, we get a text from James. He's playing it back. Kind yeah, of she's like, in our yeah. face. Like, and yeah. he looks like black Charlie Brown. Right. But he, he added a little oh, bit of, he, he he added added a little bit of like, oh, some, stank And on his it. face, too. Yeah, he was, was like, like okay, all right, let's go. Like, oh, so John's okay. like, all right, well, we got to send one back, so... We record John, and he throws this like bluesy flavor all yes. over it, and Ooh. it's like he leveled up. So I tried to level up. <laughs> level up, level up, level up. So then James sends back one again, and his is even more insane than John's. And we're like, "All right, we're stepping it up. Let's go." So we go to the rehearsal room. We're like, "Tell the band, we're like, all right, guys, what? we're gonna send another video to them. We're gonna reveal you." When the camera pans around. So I got my iPhone. John starts with the little intro. You better direct Marissa. And then, <laughs> and then we pan around. The band comes in. And we're like, all right, we got them. We got them. Send it back. We send it back. Um, probably about like two hours pass. We're like, all right, oh, we, yeah. we won. Like pretty much. They, they can't. They have nothing on us. Get a text message. And uh, it's a close-up of Amir. And they're in the studio. And they start playing the Peanuts like, theme wow, song. Wow, they took it to the, the studio. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Keith filmed this or something. Yeah. The phone pans back. The studio is full with the audience, and they're all doing the Charlie Brown dance. <laughs> and this was probably was like, this was about I'd say two minutes before we were supposed to go on stage. Oh, wow. And we're yeah. like, we're like, oh, oh, my God. Stage. I was like, like, what are we gonna do? Then what are we gonna do? So we go on stage, and you got I. 
I, I don't want to say who I thought won. I mean, you guys like went around the house and everyone was cheering and whatnot. Well, yeah, when y'all marching I and thought... going through the audience, I'm not <laughs> going over to this damn stairs. No, I'm going to say, I, I think the Roots the roots kind of had it down, though, with the Charlie Brown dance in the audience. Yeah, yeah, I was that was That was tight. But so we brought it to Steven and we were like, we did this thing. It was so random. It's funny how it turned out. You know, like the late night bands are friends. Um, and he was like, oh, this is a great idea. Do you know what we should do? We should get, we should do ours over and get everyone to wear a Charlie Brown t-shirt and do something like crazy like that, but then have the, to have John and the band march out of our theater and into the Tonight Show Theater, join them on stage and make it like a charity thing around Christmas. Yeah, that would be So this is 2015. Uh Oh. And, uh... Three years have passed. But well, we might bring it back bring it out. Back, yeah. But he's archives. gone. Ding dong. Well, the witch is dead. The witch is dead. Get out of it. <laughs> oh, no, because he's gone. Yes. Oh, we, we, we still will have make it happen. We will make it happen. I, I definitely I never knew what happened with it. I thought. It's sitting on my computer. Yeah, Wait, that. but yeah. we didn't put it on Twitter or Instagram or anything? No, they this told us wow. we couldn't do anything with it. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Maybe oh, this Christmas, bring it back. <laughs> All right, we shall bring it back. Late night wars continue. Let's do it. No, the it's not. Wars. <laughs> Late night friendship. That's, like, that's the joke. Late Man, night I wish, wars. I wish Mr. Late Rogers. Love continue. I wish Late Mr. Rogers love. was still here so I could Man. start a war between. Me and Mr. Rogers. <laughs> Some blood's encryption between Sesame Street, Street, Street and Mr. Rogers. Ooh, Johnny Costa. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Johnny Costa. Yeah. That's my shit. <laughs> All right. Well, on behalf of our all questions oh, good. asked, yes, thank you. Yes. All right. Thank you, John Batiste yes. and Marissa for coming on the show. Yes. Thank, yes. You thank you, Marissa. On behalf of uh, Sugar Steve and Boss Bill and and Laia and and uh, Boss Bill and Unpaid Bill. Damn, I forgot Unpaid Bill's bill. here. It's almost like I wasn't even here. I know. And you should well, be called overdue bill for this week. Work Shit. It. Yes, you are overdue bill. I'm back. What's is Fontigolo, uh He's not he here. Doing his basement or I something? I don't know, court or Oh, he's house. definitely like Matt finishing the stairway. <laughs> okay. Well, this is Questlove uh, of Questlove Supreme, yeah, and we will show. see you uh, on the next go-round, and I'm going to end it with... Uh, oh, yes, better. With, <laughs> bed bugs! Bed bugs! Hey! See, I was waiting for the. I literally purchased all of um, Kyoto's. Crazy yeah, cabbage yeah. All the score he's, music. Uh-huh. He said there was in, like a Japanese CD that had him. Yeah. He sat yeah. in with the roots. What? <laughs> hey, really? He's, what? Yeah, he sat what? in with us. Yeah, I forgot that. Yeah. Oh. You win, Amir. You win. And all we did was his songs. <laughs> wow. What? My drink. I want to get Yoko Shimomura uh, sitting with the band. Yeah, yeah, man. Anyway, good wall. Oh, this out for real. <laughs> Let, All, right. You, <laughs> All right, we're out. We're out. We're out. <laughs> Bye, John. Quest Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. 
And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances. Whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities, or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death, we all want to know what happened next. To find out, listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> 